Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On this week's episode, I welcome in Matt Clark, and you can find more about Matt from his website, thevirtualedge.com. Let me give you a quick background. He is the founder of The Virtual Edge and co-creator of the Rainmaker System, which is an online marketing system that helps entrepreneurs get two to five high-value leads per day from LinkedIn without paying for ads. With their flagship program, Matt and his business partner have helped thousands of businesses in 26 countries grow exponentially. They are now on a mission to reach 10,000 businesses worldwide and build a vibrant community of rainmakers. And you know, this conversation goes on two paths, both Matt's journey of how he got into doing this and why he's so passionate about helping businesses. And then secondly, some great tips and insight how businesses could look at LinkedIn a little differently, how they can start you know, thinking about marketing uh, their business better and ultimately growing sales exponentially for the future. So I hope you all enjoy this wide ranging conversation. Without further ado, my chat today with Matt Clark. Let's get it started. Matt, grateful to have you on the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, amazing. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Yeah, this is exciting. I um, so just so, so everyone that's listening in, so we're we're worlds apart. You're down in uh, in yeah, South literally. Africa. I'm over here in the Carolinas. So it's fun that we have uh, you know Zoom to be able to uh, to connect through and, and record this. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you and you know some of the stuff I did online. I, I think a lot of folks, especially that are trying to grow you know their business, especially if they're a consultant or coach or whatever they are, right, and trying to grow that. I think a lot of the things you guys are trying to do there with your organization could be uh, helpful. So I want to dive into that. We'll kind of, we'll skate the line in a few different things here. Um, I want to start off though, if it's okay. And and I want to make sure I get my, my timeline right here based on the research I did, but it looked like you kind of were going through a, a similar path. Most of us go through, right. Kind of went through your, your early adolescence, grew up, you know, decided to say, Hey, I'm going to go into the, the corporate world, work for some companies. And then there were, they seemed like there was some change, around 2013, 2014 range. I want to start there if I could, um, cause it looked like you, you, you launched a book and obviously you went into the, the business here with uh, the virtual edge and stuff, but can you share, was there anything specific that happened around that time that kicked you to a new yeah. direction or were you always on that path? And that was just a long kind of goal for you. You know, for me, uh, I actually had a previous business uh, before this uh, that was really successful. I mean, we were doing, you know, seven, multiple seven figures a year. Uh, We built that up in four years, myself and two business partners. Uh, But before that, I used to work for people. Um, You know, the interesting thing for me is that I've kind of, in a sense, always had my own business because I was a salesman before doing door-to-door sales. And, you know, it's commission only. So if you don't work, you don't get paid. And so, you know, kind of in a sense, I've always really worked for myself because I've had to, right? And so the specific thing that happened to get into this particular business was I was so tired, I think is the word, of going door to door and, you know, living hand to mouth. And, you know, I mean, we made good money. Don't get me wrong. I made really, really good money. But I was always, I was working like a crazy person. I had zero time to myself. Um, everything was reliant on my salespeople and my team. And, um, you know, there was so much going on. And I kind of looked around one day, I was never at home. I mean, I looked at my apartment one day that I was staying in, and I'd been there for about four years, and I still had unpacked boxes. I mean, packed boxes, like I just moved in, you know. 
And so I just never really had time for myself and time to do the things that I want to do and to travel and see the world more and, um, you know, really get to connect with people because I was always traveling. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever done like lots of traveling for work, but it's not, you don't get to experience stuff. You get to work right, right, right. in different places. You see so, a lot of airports. That's about it, right? You get, you get the, air, the, the airport experience. But other yeah. than that, yeah, it's not like you're going out and seeing uh, all these different sites and stuff. Hundred uh, percent. How was uh? If I could just pause there for a second, because I'm you know with door to door sales, I, I'm in software sales and kind of understand the, the sales world pretty well. And yeah. so door to door sales is interesting to me. I never really had to do that. I was like a paper carrier. That's about as close as I came to like as a kid. I had to kind of go up to, to folks maybe to bring them on board if uh, in the neighborhood. But can you share a little bit of your experience with door to door sales? I have to imagine there's some there's some yeah. interesting stories there. Oh, yes. Uh, I've got all kinds of stories in that one. Um, I've had uh, people like, the, you know, obviously, the good, the bad and the ugly, right? So I'll tell you some of the crazier ones. Um, I've had people let their dogs out at me to try and attack me to scare me off the property. I've had people call the police on me. Um, there was one incident I'll never forget. It was my second day of knocking doors, right? So we'd gone through a training and it was a very specialized training. Like I flew over, I was in the UK. And then they flew us to a castle and we stayed in the castle in Scotland for two weeks. Mm. And we learned how to sell and do the door-to-door thing. So we came out of that, got sent to the areas and I went out the one day and I went and knocked on the doors. And it was my first day, I smashed it out the park, five sales my first day, right? Most people were averaging five sales that had been there for a long time. So first day, five sales. What were you selling, by the way? It's gas and electric. We were getting people to oh. convert to our provider. Okay. Right. Now, to put it into perspective, there's seven other companies that do the same thing. And there were often times where there were seven companies knocking on the same road. So you can just imagine how pissed yeah. off people get. Right. <laughs> so I remember the one day I knocked on this door. It was the second day of knocking doors. I didn't know what to expect. And I opened the, uh, this lady opened the door and she just let me have it. Right. If you can think of the most, I don't know how you are about swearing, but she went nuts. Right. Uh, F this and get the F out. And like just went absolutely crazy on me. And I'm like, kind of completely shell shocked. And then she was like, and just never come back here again. And she slammed the door in my face. And I was just like, Phew, that was insane. And so I turned around and started walking back. And then I hear the, the door open again. So I think, okay, well, you know, maybe there's some redemption or something like that. I turn around, there's her little son. He could have been no, no older than eight years old. And he shouts at me, and don't ever effing come back. Bang, slams the door again. <laughs> so I was kind of like, sure, I don't even know where to go from here. And so, you know, as you start knocking more doors, you get more confident, you learn how to deal with these things. I'd never dealt with situations like that before. And, you know, I went back a month later, they dropped me in the same place. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Um, they made me do it. And I saw the lady again and she shouted at me again. And then the third time I went back was about another month after that. Now I'm like three months in and the confidence was high. I could deal with the stuff. They sent us back to the same place. And I was like, I want that road. And I'm going straight to that door. And as I walked up, she looked at me, she's like, Oh my God, not you again. They must really hate you for sending you here. And I was just like, look, here's the thing, right? I've got something that can help you. So either what's going to happen is you, we're going to sit and talk about this right now. And we're going to, you're going to let me inside. We're going to sit and talk about it right now. And if I can't help you, I will leave and never come back. Or I'm just going to be back tomorrow and the next day 
and the next day and the next day. But if we can find something that can help you, you're going to sign up today. And she said, okay, let me inside. And I signed her up. Uh, and she actually turned out to be quite a nice person who's just, you know, annoyed with all of that. So, you know, I think well, that's one of the ways I learned persistence. Well, and, and you know, it's interesting that the underlying story there maybe, or, or if we underscore is that she was probably annoyed with all the bad sales reps that were coming and trying to pitch for a product. And, and I like the way you framed it. It's like, Hey, we have something that could really help you, but we may or may not. And this is kind of how I approach it too. It's like, we may or may not be able to help you. I don't like, I, I kind of joke with, you know, potential partners I work with. I'm like, listen, we don't have a hundred percent market share. We're not going to be a fit for everyone. Um, but let's dig in and, and there's some opportunity here to maybe help you all out. And I think that that approach, um, a little bit more empathetic, um, kind of upfront to their situation. It's not going to be perfect always. You know, that's, I think, what gets people to understand, like, hey, we're just having a conversation here. And it may or may not work out. It's okay. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that you kind of, the, you know, if I underscore that there, addition to the the resilience and, and building the confidence, but it's also, you know, she maybe, maybe your tone was different that third, like the way you communicated was probably was different. Confidence. Yeah, it was absolutely confidence. And, you know, from what I've seen, I've been, I've been in sales a long time doing door to door sales a long time as well. So I've knocked thousands and thousands of doors, uh, spoken to thousands of people signed, you know, probably thousands of contracts as well. And, um, different people need different things. They need different ways of being communicated with and it's so relevant in the marketing world as well. You know, very often people that I talk to and, and a lot of our clients as well, they come in and they're very timid and they're very scared and they don't have the confidence and they don't project themselves and talk about what they do. And, you know, I think one of the things that I love about how we've structured how we help our clients is that it gives them the certainty, the clarity and the confidence to go out and talk about this thing in a way that makes them feel good, that can really communicate that value with their clients. But sometimes people just need a kick in the butt as well, <laughs> including clients. Like that lady just needed somebody to not take her nonsense and just say, this is what's happening. And by the way, if this is a good fit, you are signing right now. How do you find with the client? Yeah, I'm going to skip around here because I think we're on a Go good point with, with confidence. How do you find like the different clients you're working with now? And, and, and we can get into some of this stuff. Obviously, you guys are, are helping from a LinkedIn standpoint and, and just helping people build a, a better business. Mm -hmm. If they don't have the, like you might have the confidence, right? And you yeah. understand it works, but they haven't got there yet. And they haven't put the, like, you know, being in the gym, they haven't put the reps in yet. So how, yep. what are some ways you help them get confidence early on when they haven't put the work in yet potentially? Um, they haven't reaped those rewards. Like how, how does that conversation look like them? Cause I, I know I struggled with this for a long time of being, you know, having this self-belief that I could do certain things and it just yeah. took a long time. So how do you kind of shorten that window? Is there anything you all, you all do to uh, um, help in that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things that I see, the reason why people lack uh, confidence is because they lack clarity and they lack certainty. And so one of the first things that we do is, because I mean, you think about it like this, right? The only time you're not confident is if you don't know with absolute certainty exactly what you're going to do, exactly what you're going to get and what the outcome is going to be. And the outcome can be a little bit more gray, but if you know with certainty exactly what you're getting yourself into and how you're going to deal with it, already that confidence level increases. So one of the first things that we, that we help people get nailed down is their offer, you know? Because a lot of the people we work with are charging time for money, dollars for hours, mm -hmm. and everything relies on them and it's not scalable. 
So one of the first things that we do is we help them package an offer in a way that they can go one to many. They can increase their pricing, create more free time, and know exactly how to sell it. And so what happens is that I find a lot of the time is that, you know, people have got opportunity around them all the time. They've got people in their network. They've got, you know, past people that they've spoken to. People say they need leads. People don't need leads. They need to be able to close more of the leads that they've got first. Then they can go out and get more leads. And so getting that, that, that clarity and that certainty on what they're delivering, how they're delivering it, and more importantly, how to pitch it, man, we see that confidence skyrocket. You know, I've got a lady now, um, I just spoke to her last night, and um, she came to us and she was doing like two grand a month. And then her best month then was five grand. Um, I spoke to her last night, she's, you know, two and a half months in, she's quadrupled her business. She's consistently hitting 20K months. She's got absolute clarity, absolute certainty. She's like, now, well, now I need to get to 50K. You know, whereas before 50K was just a pipe dream, now it's, there's, there's reality there. And she's not a confident person. Like she messaged me every single day. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can sell this. I was like, just follow the process. Just go do that. Give me some feedback. Let me know what happens. And so close the first client. So what, uh, what was she doing wrong? If I put it in that context, like what was she doing wrong that she wasn't bringing in the, the revenue? Were, were there some missteps that you're seeing con- consistently with a lot of clients you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. She just didn't have, she was charging way too little. Um, she wasn't congruent with who she was in terms of her delivery. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing was that she was stuck in her head, you know, uh, thinking about, am I good enough? Is this really what the clients need? Do they, will they spend money with me? You know, and, and all of that boils down to the lack of clarity and the lack of certainty that she had around what she did, how she delivered, and the value of that. And I find when we can show people what their value actually is, right, versus, you know, thumb-sucking something, then, or, or using what we call the rectal pricing model, where you just pull numbers out your butt, yeah. you know? So when they have that clarity and that certainty around exactly what it is, exactly what they deliver, all of a sudden the confidence starts peaking. And I remember the first thing she said to me was, that was the easiest sale I've ever done, right? And it's just because she had a process to follow. That simple. Well, you know, the, the pricing thing's interesting if we sit on that for a minute, because mm-hmm. I, I remember this back. So I used to teach golf for a living, you know, I used to be a PGA professional yeah. and, and run the teaching business. And I remember that was something I always struggled with because you want to be consistent in the area. But like, if you get too high, you think like, oh my God, I'm not going to get enough people. But then what, what what's funny is when I started to kind of transition out of it, I jacked my weight rates up a good amount because I'm like, I only have so much time and you actually yeah. get better quality. You get actually, you know, folks that want to commit and want to. So is, is that kind of what you see, like, like this uh, example you're using, was, was she just, she was charging little because she didn't have the confidence that she could get people at a higher rate or she didn't know any better. Like how, how did you structure that conversation to be able to say, Hey, you can charge X amount more and here's why. Cause I feel that this is a, it's a pattern with a lot of folks. Again, I went through it. I know a lot of folks go through the, uh, how much do you actually charge when you start out? Yeah, so I think, you know, it always starts with the end in mind. And it's what are your goals, right? So if your goal is to make five grand a month, well, you could do five clients at a grand each, okay? So I always start with the goal in mind and say, well, where do you want to get to? 
once we know where they want to get to, let's say the first goal is 25K a month, okay? Most people, when I talk to them, when we start, they're charging dollars for hours and they're like, okay, I want to get to 25K a month, but they haven't, haven't actually thought about how they're going to get there because they may be sitting at, you know, three grand or five grand and they've got like five or five or six clients and they're working all the time. And the question I ask is very simple. You want to double or quadruple your business, whatever that number is, how are you going to do that when you're already working so damn hard? And then you can see that, uh, I have no idea. And that's kind of where you can start introducing, well, okay, so if you change your pricing model, and you structure it higher, you can't, when you increase your pricing, you also need to increase your value. And along with that, the belief that you can charge that amount. Okay, that's critical. But, and we've got a process that we take people through for that. But when you start charging more, you need less people to get to that number. So as an example, with uh, Megan that I've told you about now, her goal was, her first goal was to get to 20K a month. It was impossible for her. It was literally impossible on her previous model. So what we figured out was that, you know, if we created a $5,000 offer, we could sign four of those clients a month. If she closed at 20%, which is one in five, she would need to have 20 qualified conversations a month. It's less than one a day, you know, which we show people then how to go out and find those people. So it actually, what lands up happening is because you're charging more, you're working with less people, you can deliver a better quality service and you have more free time and you make more money and it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, always good when you can make it a little easier. Right. Um, oh. and, and I think to it, that makes it more fun because when you're, yes. when you're talking to 50 people and 30 of them are unqualified or you're, you're trying to, you're, you're at the bottom of the barrel trying to pull out, it's, it's better conversations when you have folks that actually are the, are the right client fit for you, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting that, you know, on this pricing thing, my, my previous business, I, we used to sell telephone systems. So I was in telecoms. I had a Samsung distribution business. And um, we sold the same Samsung telephones, and this was two businesses, so switchboard systems, mm-hmm. as there were 100 other dealers, right? They were all selling exactly the same stuff as us. We were charging on our base product, if we use that as an example, we would double the amount of what everybody else was. And we used to sell five to 10 times more than them, right? And what it allowed us to do was because we were charging more, we were more profitable, we could get better salespeople, we could have better technicians, we could provide the client with a better service. And when they needed help, we could say, okay, cool, we'll send someone out there immediately. And that kind of carried through with me as well, because, you know, now if you charge more, you can hire 18 players that can help your clients, that can help deliver a better service, which can take you out of the business, which means you can focus on growing the business versus being in the business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think part of it, you you mentioned the word process a few times. It's kind of knowing those steps. And and, and I want to go into that. The, the systems a little bit. I, I'm just curious, um, why, why did you get passionate about this? Obviously, you're doing some different types of sales and stuff. Like, why was this the, the passionate route you wanted to go to help all these different folks? You know, it was interesting. It kind of like evolved into it. Um, you know, when I sold my previous business, what happened was, you know, I had a bunch of money, but I went from a million miles an hour to dead stop. And I was like, I don't even know what to do with myself anymore, you know? And um, I, so I started looking. 
And what actually happened before we even got into LinkedIn was I went looking and I found, you know, I started going to all these events, you know, how to make money and all the rest and build the online business, travel the world, work from anywhere, you know, the dream, right? right? And so they had a lot of these American speakers come to South Africa and I went and saw all of these guys and I invested in a couple of programs. And one thing that I noticed out of all of them was that they were living the lives or at least what they projected that I wanted to, but all of them had a little something, a little edge that kind of got it to the next level. And that was this little program called Infusionsoft, right? And so what I did was I started diving deeper into it. What does it do? How does it work? And I realized that this was something, a, pro, a piece of technology that could do the job that I had 25 salespeople doing, but that never gave excuses, never not showed up for work, sold all the time, that worked for you 24-7. And so I didn't have a business at the time. So I started saying, well, I know how I can help people implement this. Even though I didn't know all the workings and what it did, I got the concept of it. Right. And so we started helping people do that right? And automate their business. And then I realized, well, now they've automated their business, we need to put more leads into the funnel. And it kind of evolved from there. And as I started seeing people get more results, I started like falling more in love with it. And I could just see like, this was my calling to really help people. And it started bringing me a lot of fulfillment. And then I started seeing people's entire lives change. And then I started taking them through the journey of growth and evolution that I had and seeing them you know, change their entire lives. And I kind of guess it, it just evolved into something that's pretty amazing whereby, you know, our big mission is, you know, my personal mission then became to create better business by creating better people. And so that's what we do. Um, you know, my business partner as well, his motto, his life mission is to expose more people to better learning. So it was interesting, like how we came together and uh, we're just fulfilling our mission. Yeah, how did you all meet with the... Serendipity, or did you know each other for a while? Or no, it was a bit of serendipity actually. Um, so what happened was that I was running these Infusionsoft uh, events, these like get-togethers, and I'd have like an open day, and a bunch of people that were users or people who were interested would come in, and we teach some stuff. And he actually, we kept like missing each other. And then one day we met up, and we just kind of hit it off. And we, he loved what I was doing on the sales side. I loved what he was doing on the technical side. And uh, we just started doing a bit of work together, you know, and then I landed up getting uh, really sick and I went, you know, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease a couple of years ago and I went from 82 kilograms down to 59 kilograms in the space of two months. Um, you know, that's like 180 pounds to about 130 pounds in two months. And while I was in hospital and, you know, going through everything, you know, he just kind of said to me, dude, you just get better. I'll take care of the clients. I'll take care of everything. Um, and he didn't even, I wasn't even paying him at the time, you know? And um, then I was just like, you know, there's something, there's something good there. And so as I started getting better, we started talking about, you know, how do we take this thing to the next level? He was working as a consultant for somebody else. And we just said, well, why didn't you just stop doing that and um, come over here and let's grow this thing. And here we are. You know, a couple of years later, 1,500 clients in 26 countries. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Well, and that goes to, I want to circle back to now, um, a loop back to is systems. And and there's, you can take, I'll, I'll, we'll go into both of these, but you can kind of dealer's choice here, which one you want to start with. So yeah. support systems in terms of individuals, right? People that are in yeah. your life and how important those have been. And then also systems in terms of 
running the business? What systems have you guys put into place so that you can automate things a little bit more? You can, so you talk about Infusionsoft, obviously, but anything else there that's helpful for you guys to run the business, to structure, if you get, you know, maybe it's help from employees or contractors or whatever it is. So you can take either, either route to start. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll talk a little about systems. I think that's going to be valuable for a lot of folks. Perfect. Yeah, so support systems personally has definitely been, I mean, my parents were just amazing. Um, my, you know, it was crazy. Like when I got better, um, my mom actually was diagnosed with cancer and it kind of went full circle. And I was able to help her through my own experience. And she's, you know, she's completely fine now, which is amazing. She went to chemo, lost all her hair. So went through that whole journey. Um, but my parents were amazing, but also friends, you know, and, and people who I'm connected with. And I really went looking for something bigger because I knew that it wasn't just the medical thing wasn't the only thing that was going to help me. That would get me to a point, but there was more that needed to be done. And so, you know, I always feel like there's, there's a couple different areas in your life that need to be taken care of. You know, finance is one of them. Relationships is another. Spirituality uh, is another. And one of the biggest things I started doing was diving deep into my spirituality. I mean, I'm not religious as such, um, but definitely a deeper understanding into who I am and how the world works and what's out there. And um, I, connected with, I connected with a couple of people who went down a journey and you know, I realized that there was stuff that I was holding on to that I needed to let go of. And I think the big lesson for me was go and look for help, right? Don't just try and do everything yourself. I mean, when I started healing again, I went and I hired a fitness coach. I went and I hired a trainer. And I couldn't pick up a, you know, three pound dumbbell. I had zero strength in me to pick anything up. So I knew that in order for me to really get to where I wanted to be, to get my health back, to train, to exercise again, I was going to need help, right? Someone to teach me what to do and to keep me accountable because it was a new journey for me getting back to that stage. So I would say for, for anyone that's, you know, in any kind of spot, you know, don't be afraid to reach out for help. You know, if you're struggling in business, like go find someone that can help you, you know, personally in relationships. Before I got married, my, my wife and I saw a, uh, a relationship expert, right? Like a life coach or a relationship coach. And we didn't do it because we were struggling. We did it because we wanted the best possible chance of success for our relationship. And it was incredible. You know, so sometimes you see people, they, they get help in one of two places. They either are in so much pain right now that they need to get out of it, okay? And that's always a tough place to be. But the second place is when you are doing well already and you want to make sure that you've got the best possible chance of success and you want to accelerate it, yeah. right? And that's generally the best time. So, you know, most people wait until they're in pain before they move. But identify where things are going well and look, how can you make them better? And when things are going bad, obviously the same thing. You reach out, get help. How can you make it better? Well, and, and part of that too, would you agree, it's, it's removing the ego of thinking you know it all, right? Because I think if you're... Definitely if you're in pain and think you can solve the problem, right? Ego gets in the way. And then if you are going well, it's like, no, nah, no, nah, I got this. I'm the one that got myself here. And so I think like ego can play such a big role, but sitting back in that self-reflection and saying, Hey, how can I, how can I improve? And how can I let others help me, you know, and kind of have that, um, 
that different avenue, that outreach? Because you even mentioned earlier, like, as you were getting out of your other business and trying to learn, like you were going to different conferences, events, like you were trying to learn uh, from different individuals to see what was out there. And that's just part yeah. of exposing yourself to, to new ideas and opportunities. Yeah. And also I feel like when you remove the ego and you actually ask for help, you open yourself up to allowing yourself to create better relationships with people. Like I've found over my journey, like the relationships that I've created with, with people all around the world have been incredible. And you know, and you lose some of the relationships along the way, and that's okay. You know, some people are in your in your life for a moment. Um, some people are there for a lifetime, you know. Um, depends on what their role is and what your role is in their life. But it's kind of like, you know, when you take away the ego, and I love the way that you, you said that, it allows you to open yourself to building better relationships. And when you ask for help, people genuinely want to help, right? They genuinely want to help. And, and I think in general, people are just good, you know? There are some bad eggs and the media seems to, you know, blast them out there all over the world. Right. So it looks like the world is falling to pieces, but people are good in general. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, and I think too, when we're talking about support systems on the, the human side is, yeah. is having the... Um, having the maybe not the the know-how I guess because again these things kind of organically happen but like at, you know at your different stages so like the, as you mentioned you might have some great friends but you don't talk to them that much anymore it's not that you don't like them it's not that they're not great people except you're, you're at a point in your life a stage in your life where you need some other individuals that have to take priority and, and, and the kind of ebbs and yeah. flows and I think it's just recognizing that you know, it's kind of the, you know, the whole, it's kind of, again, been over said, but you know, you're the average of the five people that you're around. So putting yourself in the right position um, to improve, you have to be around some different people sometimes, you know? Yeah, no. absolutely, man. And, you know, that kind of also segues into the business side of things as well, because, you know, you can have your, your, your systems and your support and the tech and everything that's going to uh, help you scale and help you grow and give you back some more time and everything. But even then, you've got to do it manually first and get your processes sorted out because you can't automate something that you don't already have a working proven process for, right? And most people try to automate too quickly. They try to automate too soon, they get lost in the technology. Rather do things manually first. Once you've got your system down, then look for the systems that can help you automate that. Um, and then, you know, when you start then you've got to start bringing on people. Now, in the beginning, you know, you don't have a lot of cash flow. So you're like, I'm going to get some people and generally they're cheap. Uh, and the work that they produce is cheap. I mean, we went through a bunch of lemons as well. I think everyone goes through this stage of hiring lemons and using, you know, uh, bringing in lemons. And what happened was, you know, as we started getting clear on our vision and our goals and where we wanted to go and who we're serving and how we were helping and what roles we needed to fulfill, the right people started showing up, you know, and as we started putting ourselves out there more. So one of the things that I take my clients through, so my top level clients is that when we start building out their, their long-term plans and their goals, their, their bulletproof business plan, one of the things they need to do is like, they need to project like for the next three years, what are their revenues? What are their profits? What is their motivation? Um, what do they want their lifestyle to look like? And then Based on those numbers, so having those numbers, having that revenue, that profit, that motivation and fulfillment and that lifestyle, what does your company need to look like in order to get there? And we actually get them to build out their company for that revenue and that lifestyle so that 
you know, by the time they get there, it's already predetermined. And as they're building the business, they're not guessing, okay, I just need, I'm by myself, too much is going on. I just need bodies. Let me go find a body to throw at it, right? They're looking strategically and they're saying, okay, I'm at the stage. I need to bring this kind of person in, you know? So it helps with that growth. And when you're thinking like that, and already it just changes your thinking because then when you're interviewing people, you're saying, look, this is the vision. This is where we're going. This is what's happening. Boom, boom. You're already going to start finding people that are going to align with those values and align with those goals. And it brings in better quality people that actually want to be there, not just there for a salary. Yeah. Are, are you finding a lot of the folks you're working with, are they, are they like, you know, basically independent, like they're, they're a one person shop or do they have larger businesses, employees, stuff like that? What, what's kind of your ideal client? So we've got a mix. Um, we have got people that are below that 20K mark. And a lot of those guys are, are working by themselves and, you know, they're trying to get their first couple of, they're trying to get their, their business to that 20, 25K consistently, you know, not just have these like peaks and valleys. Um, and for those guys, you know, it's amazing. Get the offer sorted out, the ideal client, um, and then focus on sales, right? And then they get to that, they get to that number pretty quickly. And then the next step from there is to scale, okay? So we create the problem of making money and, you know, having clients. Now it's how do we scale this and remove you more out of the business, start hiring the right people, putting the right processes and systems in place so that they can scale. For other guys that come in, I mean, you know, I'm working with a, a public organization right now. They've got about 170 sales staff. Um, they've given me eight as a test run. Uh, in the last two months, just by the processes that we put in place, I work with them and help them put some processes and systems in place. You know, they've done over $25 million in sales in two and a half months. You know, so we've got people <laughs> and everything in between. Yeah. So it just depends. Whatever level that they're at um, will depend on which which program we put them in. Yeah. Well, and so we, if when we talk about scaling, and, so, and obviously there's a lot of you know there's a lot of road that has to be laid probably prior, as you mentioned, to put, put the plan. Yes. But as we talk a lot, of, of, you know, about LinkedIn or improving, you know, those type of things. Do you find is it is it the consistency? Is it just the the messaging? Um, what, what are you finding is maybe the challenge folks are having now? Is there anything without tr sharing all your trade secrets, but anything you could share on LinkedIn specifically? Cause I know that's where you kind of play a lot and, uh, and have a lot of your clients play. The two biggest thing is how they position themselves and how they connect with people. Right. Because a lot of the time, you know, when I look at people's profiles and when they tell me what they do, most people are trying to be everything to everybody for that exact reason that we spoke about just now, Will I get enough clients? How am I going to make the money? All that stuff. If I only do this, then what about everybody else? And that positioning really hurts. So the first thing we do is we help them go in what we call the power of one. Solve one big problem, one ideal client, and you can charge a lot more money for that. And it'll give you a lot more time and a lot more focus. And you need less clients, right? So once we've got that positioning right, then it's about putting out a message that's going to attract the ideal clients. And, you know, so we've got a formula that we take people through, which is show them what results you're going to help them get so they know how to work with you before they even talk to you, right? So the formula is I help whoever the ideal client is achieve whatever results you help them achieve with a measurable metric and a time frame through whatever your system or methodology is, Right. And then you set your profile up so that it focuses everything on them, 
And, you know, we actually take people through doing uh, market research through uh, what we call an ask campaign, which is we kind of learned some of the stuff from uh, Ryan Levesque. I think he brought that to the, the table and we've, you know, brought in our own stuff, adapted some stuff, but it's worked really, really well. And um, we get people to actually understand who the ideal client is because most people have never taken the time to dive deep into that. You know, everyone just says, here's my product, I'm going to go and sell it. They don't actually care about the person who is, or haven't taken the time to go deeper into the person who's actually supposed to be buying the thing from them, you know? And once they understand that, that allows them to connect with them in a human, at a, on a human level and in a way that they're actually going to respond and they actually care about. Those are the two biggest things I'd say. Well, and the messaging hits home. You know, if you know that you're, Certain it's a it's a you know females between the age of you know twenty five and thirty five that have their own business like if you know very much down to a T of like hey these are the people I can help the most because of what I do it's going back to raising the pricing and those type of things that's when it gets a lot easier because if yeah. you're just trying to spam the market you know and kind of the messaging is very dry very bland and ultimately it yeah. doesn't hit anyone. Instead of hitting that, you know, it's kind of using the sniper versus the, you know, the spray model, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, it's very difficult to create a message for everybody. because they're, they're just so different. People are different. Yeah. And for most of our clients, I mean, you know, to get to their first 25K, it's like you only need four or five clients. So why do you try and focus on everybody? You know, so just simplify everything simplify everything you know we've got as humans this amazing innate ability to complicate stuff right and i'm guilty of it too right 100 percent, i'm guilty of it so we're always asking ourselves the question how can we simplify things and i think the epitome of simplicity is in particularly in this instance is one problem for one client that's it yeah, I like that approach. I think that's a, a good way to, as, you're, as you mentioned, simplify it, kind of get you at least out of the uh, the batter's box there and, and head in the right direction, you know? 100%. What, uh, you seem like, you, obviously, you got a lot of things going for you. You got the business kind of humming now and those type of things. What, what's kind of been the hardest part of the journey? What's, you know, we always talk about positive stuff. I'm a positive optimist guy, but what's been yeah. the hardest part? What's been the, the biggest struggle kind of getting to this point? I think for us, it was the focus um, just having too many things to focus on shiny object syndrome. You know, everything looks good. There's guys out there who write amazing copy and you want to buy all of it. Um, the hardest thing was putting the blinkers on and saying, this is what we're going for. We're committing to this. This is the plan and nothing else is getting in the way. Uh, I'd say that would be the hardest thing um, because there's a lot. And, you know, as you go through it, you, there's times where you're focusing on so many different things and the business is kind of growing, but, it still requires a lot of you and you're stuck in it with no clear way to get out. And um, it's like, how do you actually put all of that aside when you've gone and invested in all of this stuff and actually have a plan and just stick to it and know that this is the thing that's going to get me to where I'm going. Yeah. Like it's scary. It's scary to commit and just go, you know, all in on one thing. Um, but when we had the plan um, and even we deviated off the plan because you're always going to get these like opportunities and, and things thrown at you. And we just stuck to the plan and went and did that 100%. That's when the magic happened. How often do you reprioritize, like look at the plan, 
you know, say, Hey, can we, can we take some things off, add things on? Is that a, a monthly, quarterly, yearly? How often do y'all do that? Every six weeks. Um, so we run our business in six week sprints. And what we do is that we have a very particular goal and very particular project that we run for six weeks and we go all out on that. Then, um, so we'll run six weeks at like full speed, 150%. And then we'll do two weeks of like cool down. You know, we're strategizing, we're thinking, we're planning, and then we run the next six weeks. So yeah, we kind of do that in six week sprints. Why, why six weeks? I'm curious. I, I've not really heard that before. So it's, it's interesting to learn more. Yeah. So, you know, most people look and they do have like quarterly meetings and quarterly goals, but that only gives you four opportunities in a year to hit your goals and to really go for it. But when you break it down into six week sprints, it gives you six opportunities in a year to go for it. So it's just like, you know, more opportunities to get stuff done. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, actually, you know, now I'm thinking through it a little bit here on the fly, but you probably have, you're crunched into a shorter time frame, So it makes you almost go a little bit quicker to hit. Oh, you I mean, push kind harder. Of, There's a deadline. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't have like, man, eh, we have the whole quarter. We got some time to work it. Like you got to go, you got to hum a little bit quicker. Um, so, so that's interesting. I like the approach. Uh, and I think it's probably one of those things where folks can try, you know, some people might work better with four weeks or, you know, who knows, like it's just a matter of, you know, that works for you. And it's something, did you guys figure that out day one or was that a learning process to get to the six week, two week off thing? No, that was a learning process. And that was actually something that came from one of my coaches as well, um, who taught us this and, Hmm. you know, we've been implementing and it's been amazing. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the things I I think we're, you know, I'm learning a lot, obviously on this episode, even just, you got to try, you got to test, you got to taste a little bit. What's best for you. You know, what's, what's good for one of your clients is not going to be the same advice you give another client, you know, everyone's at different stages, you know, and and people are just different and different mindsets, different things that work. So like for, you know, the one lady who I told you about who quadrupled her business, like confidence was a massive thing for her. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I've got other guys who are super confident. They just want to come in and they want the processes and get stuff going, you know? So there's just different things for different people. Yeah. Right. And you just got to know where they're at, realize where they're at and then, um, and then take them down that right path. Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you, cause you mentioned you have your, your business partner. How do you all make decisions there? Like, are you, it's like, is it a coin flip a lot of the time? Are you on the same page? Like what happens if you disagree and stuff? Cause I see this a lot. I talk to a lot of co-founders. I'm just curious how you guys handle um, either disagreements or where your vision are off. Yeah. So we used to fight a lot actually, uh, right in the beginning, we used to fight a hell of a lot. We went through a stage of not talking for two weeks as well. So, you know, and we kind of just sat down and had a heart to heart and realized like, listen, we actually both we've got the same vision. We've got the same goal. We're going in the same direction. The only thing that's different is our views on how we get there. Right? So all we need to do is all we needed to do was just to change the way in which we, in which we set our plans and and set our goals so that we were aligned on the same path as well. You know, and what we actually did was we spent a lot of time understanding who we are as people, understanding you know, our strengths, our weaknesses, like doing personality tests so we could just understand each other better and really just taking the time to really connect, you know, on, on, on like a human level. And so, you know, we came up with a, we came up with a, a way of, of making decisions. Like we go through, first thing we ask is, you know, is it aligned to our goals? 
right? And if what we want to do is align to our goals and it's going to help us get there faster, which is key, then that's a tick box, right? Um, you know, is the team going to get behind it? Do we both believe in it? Uh, and then the last sort of, do we like the people that we, we're going to work with? And then, or whatever that is, do we like what, what's going on? And then the last sort of check is, is there any doubt, right? And if one of us has doubt, we don't do it. It's that simple. You know, is there any doubt? Nope. Okay, cool. We're going ahead. If there's, if one person has doubt at all, we just don't do it. Well, I think that's something you obviously learned from uh, the fighting days to uh, get to a point where you guys can agree on stuff like that. Uh, did, did you get any, you talked about relationship counseling with your wife. Did you do any of that with your, your business partner? Not as a relationship, like how I did, you know, with my wife, but you know, we, we did a lot of coaching and we spoke to people about, you know, how do we make this thing work in a better way? And as we were kind of just going through that and, you know, getting that same advice that was aligning, we kind of aligned a lot better as well. So I'd say inadvertently, we didn't go specifically and say, listen, we are fighting. How do we sort this out? Um, because we knew we were going, we were all facing in the same direction. It was just, how do we get there? Gotcha. Okay. What uh? So if someone's g- going to work with y'all, what's the process? Do they? What does that first you know, you know, interaction or two look like with you? How do they get in touch with you? G- give me give me some of the the details on that. Yes, yeah, so I always say the best thing is like I want people to get to know me before they talk to me, right? I want them to understand how we think, and I think you know you've really gone deep into some of those things that I don't normally talk about, but I want them to go and take a look at the process and and how we work and all the rest and. You know, a lot of that stuff, we've made it super accessible on our website. Um, you know, so just thevirtualedge.com. There's a video that walks through our nine-step process. And then, you know, we give value. So, you know, one of the things that's on there is the 20-minute 20, 20 profile makeover, which covers some of the positioning stuff we, we spoke about. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I want people to go in and do some work and get some results and say, hey, I really like that. And then book a call, come and talk to us. Uh, and then help them go to the next level. But obviously, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. I'm there, um, you know, Matt Clark SA. So reach out to me on LinkedIn as well and tell me where you heard me and um, and what, what do you need help with? So I, I, let's end on this note. I want you to go back to your, uh, your teenage self and yeah. you got to give one piece of advice it's going to be the most impactful for that young Matt to be able to kind of move along in their life on some alternate dimension where you can go back there and, and share that advice with them. And you only have a post-it note to write it on. So a very small, concise uh, piece of advice. What would you share with them? That's going to be the most impactful for their journey. Yeah. Very simple. Um, learn how to invest now. And, and invest in, is there any specifics to invest? invest in themselves, uh, yes. invest financially, what's the... Learn how to invest financially. Okay. I, I look at my journey and I'm like, you know, I've, I've made a lot of money. Um, I've invested a lot in my own personal growth, both mentally, spiritually, physically. Um, that's all good. But only now am I learning how to invest financially. So mm. I've made a ton of money in my life, okay? But I've never had my money work for me. Right. And that is the number one thing that going back, I would have done sooner um, than I would do sooner. That's it. Has there been, is there a resource that you would share with folks to get started or is it just Google how to invest better? Like, is there anything you would share a resource has been impactful for you? 
Man, I would say uh, first thing is uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Uh, that was brilliant. That just opened my mind to, okay, so here's how you invest. Here's different aspects. And then play the cash flow game. That was a mind opener for me, right? Uh, and then there was another Robert Kiyosaki book. It's called, uh, I think, why the, why the Rich Get Richer or something like that. I can't remember the exact title of it. But we, I, I did this course where this guy facilitated playing the cash flow game and going through the book. And just, I was like, okay, I get it. Mm. And now I look at it and I look at what we're doing and how we're investing and some of the things that we're doing. And I'm like, we're literally playing the cash flow game right now. Mm. You know? And when you can see the path to doing that, I would say, you know, if anyone could do it, go and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and go and play the cash flow game. Go find a group of people that are playing it. There are people that play it online. Uh, find a group of people and go play that. And it'll just change the way that you think and at least get you thinking in the right direction. And then you can decide because there's so many ways to invest. I mean, there's property, there's stocks, there's gold, there's cryptos. You know, there's so much stuff. There's businesses. There's so much stuff that you can invest in. It kind of opens your mind as to what's possible. And then you can decide what do you like the most and start there. Yeah. Great thoughts, Matt. This was a absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks for the conversation. Uh, I learned a lot here just by chatting for a few minutes. So uh, hopefully those listening in uh, has as well. So, um, and you said the virtual edge.com best way connect with you on LinkedIn. Um, and I'll put all this in the, in the show notes as well, but uh, thanks so much for the time. This was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And if people just want to send me an email and reach out direct, they can just reach out to me at connect at the virtual edge.com. And uh, happy to have a conversation, man. But yeah, thanks for having me on today. It's been a really cool conversation. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by. Um, if you wanted to connect further, please head over to my website, brianondraco.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O.com. As well as connect with me on Instagram or Twitter at brianondraco. Or search for me on LinkedIn, just brianondraco. Um, I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.